All right. Uh, hello, everybody, um, and welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness, um, your true crime, cult, conspiracy, encrypted podcast. With a little side of disaster. Yeah, every <laughs> once in a while we sprinkle that in too, because why not? Um, I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And we are coming at you back with some more episodes. <laughs> this is the first time we've recorded in the and normal space in a while i know it's kind of it's kind of nice yep it's quiet yeah um one dog instead of two or three or three yeah, yeah. cool um do we have any do you have any like well i have a theory about so what? about about this uh whole noise issue oh i have a theory that you turn my mic down because <laughs> i'm always so quiet but I talk just as loud as you do, and my mic is just as close to my face. But for some reason, I'm always super quiet, and you're the one who does the volume. Yeah, you you were very quiet in so, the last episode. Yeah. And I'm a little nervous you're going to be quiet in... In my episode? Yeah, that yeah. came out... That comes out um, tomorrow from record day. Yeah, so you, you guys would have already heard it. So if she's quiet in that one, too... It's Emily's fault. That's yeah, my theory. <laughs> I'll take the blame. Um... She wants it to be about her, so she turns my mic way down. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, yeah, we'll keep, just just know we're trying. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Um, okay, so. I'm excited for your story today. I have no idea what it is. I don't even know where it is. It's a doozy. Oh, geez. There's a lot going on in this one, and um, I'm going to try my best to um you know tell the story in the best way possible but who knows okay who knows what's gonna happen so um should we just get into it yeah let's do it okay um so i am telling the story today of the disappearance of barbara cotton so barbara cotton i am coming back at it again with the disappearances (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't go too long um, and honestly, I wasn't planning on doing a disappearance. I kind of just stumbled upon this. Don't you kind of love that, though? When yeah. you're like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, and then all of a sudden, like, something just grabs your attention. Yeah, it literally was, like, Friday morning, <laughs> and really? we were supposed to record Sunday, and we ended up having an extra day, but, and I was just like, I have no idea what to do this week, and so I just, like, started Googling, and this... I, this grabbed my attention so um i'm gonna say right off the bat i there's i get most of my information if not all of my information i wouldn't say all i would say like 95 percent of my information comes from a podcast that okay. i listen to that's that's um, different yeah and i'm gonna plug it now as well as at the end okay. just because i feel like since i got so much info from it i should um plug it you know yeah right away i think that's a good idea so um the podcast is called dakota spotlight podcast by james wolner and it's um season five so dakota spotlight does that mean we're in one of the dakotas yes we're in north dakota okay we haven't been to north dakota for a while no we've only done one case in north yeah the drew shadeen one right yep yeah so um this is a 16 part podcast holy cow and I binged it in a day and a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, That's so dedication. I'm taking a 16-part podcast and pretty much trying to put it into one. So 
there's definitely like a lot more that goes on in this case and I highly highly recommend listening to the podcast if you want a lot more in-depth information cool yeah that sounds good okay so let's get into this all right this might be a little bit longer (laughs) that's okay um okay so Barbara Cotton was born on November 10th 1956 in 1981 she was a 15 year old girl who was growing up in Williston North Dakota she was known as a very quiet very strong-willed and extremely good person by her older brother Kent Cotton and I just can't get over the last name it's (laughs) so it's so great I just love that and her younger sister Kathy Newth she got married so okay um described her as a very kind sweet and all-american girl um she grew up kind of in one of those towns again where everyone knows everyone. Um, it's not a super small town. Okay. Williston is um, located on the far west side of the state, close to the Montana-North Dakota border, and not too far south from the Canadian border. Okay. Um, the population of Williston in 1980 was 13,336, so it was a pretty good size back then when she yeah. went missing. Um Today, the population is 29,749, making Williston the sixth largest city in North Dakota. Um, I don't know, really know what that says about I was going to say, Dakota's that's like, not you know. super populated, you no. know. That's no. hilarious that 29,000 is the sixth, sixth biggest. Largest, yeah. That's great. Um, the sharp incline in population is credited to the great oil boom that happened in North Dakota, um, it, Williston is often compared to a gold rush town where alcohol has been replaced by meth. Yikes. Many people um, started moving there to get rich quick, but this happened. Um, they say like the first boom happened right around our story. Okay. And then it kind of like ebbs and flows. It's okay. been like ebbing and flowing since then. I know um, a couple of people who have gone out to the oil fields. And yeah. They can make really good money really fast out there. Yeah. Um, now I think the best way to like try to tell the story is just to tell you like what happened on april 11th 1981 just the story and then after that we're going to get into like theories and discrepancies and what happened and all of that so okay this is first is just the most widely known story and then we'll get into other things okay Um, so the the none of these stories are for sure what happened i mean we'll get into okay sorry Jumping ahead on you. Um, okay. So, on April 11th, 1981, Barbara, Barb is what her friends call her, so I'm going to call her Barb. Okay. Cotton spent the night roller skating with friends before heading to a restaurant in downtown Williston right off of Main Street with her boyfriend and an unidentified friend. This one unidentified friend could have actually been Barb's mom. I believe it's it's either Luis or Lois. It's L O I S E. Okay. I'm gonna guess Lois, probably. Yeah. Um, but this is unconfirmed, and we'll talk more about that later. Okay. Uh, one of my sources says that the restaurant was located inside the Plainsman Hotel, and one said it was a cafe called the Cakes and Cones, which are not the same place. They're two different places. Okay, so um, it's not like the cakes and cones is inside the... No. Okay. Correct. Okay. Um, from what I can tell from my research, the cakes and cones seems to be the right location. Okay. Um, that's what is like reported in all the police reports and things like that. So um, after dinner, her boyfriend supposedly walked, offered to walk Barb the five short blocks home, 
but Barb declined. The boyfriend watched Barb walk off, and when he saw her enter Recreation Park, he stopped watching. Um, so is Recreation Park just like a to, a little yeah? So park rec- area. It's Recreation Park is tiny. It's it's literally like your typical city park. That's like one square block block square block okay yep it's really small okay um yeah i said if you like live in a city it's in your typical inner city park not big at all you can see the other side from one side okay um so it's not like someone could be like hiding out super easy and not not be seen from right somewhere it's not like a big park with like walking paths or anything like that i literally looked it up on like google maps yeah i I had a hard time finding it it's so small holy cow yeah Um, so if she disappeared in that park, it would have like happened really fast, but no one has ever seen Barb Cotton again. So that was the last sighting of her was when she started walking into the park. Now the park is three blocks from her home. Holy cow. That's so, it's always so sad when they're that close to safety. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now Barb's mom reported her missing around 3 PM the next day, which was a Sunday, that morning, Lois had be, been contacting a bunch of Barb's friends to see if they had any information about where she had been, and if she uh, and she actually had shown up at her best friend Diane's house to see if Barb was there, which of course she wasn't. Um, the police originally treated this case as a runaway case, and Barb's own siblings even believe that is what happened for a while after she had disappeared. So they kind of believed that theory for like a hot second. Okay, so things weren't like super peachy at home? No, and we'll get like... into that. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Sorry, I lost my place. It's all right. I'm harassing your, your dog <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but now that Barb has been missing for 40 years, they Jeez. clearly no longer believe that. Um, law enforcement in 1981 didn't really do much, to be honest. They didn't talk to Barb's siblings or any of her friends. Um, because they thought it was a runaway? Yeah. Okay. They didn't even, as far as we can tell, they didn't even talk to the boyfriend oh. who was the last person to see her. That's apparently. weird. Like, yeah. Um, her friends tell stories about how they actually went door to door asking people if they'd seen anything. Um, law enforcement is currently still working this case, um, but as of right now, that's all the information that we have of what happened that night. Okay, and that's like the confirmed stuff that happened. So, like the boy, she was with the boyfriend for sure. Yes, could she have was been with sure somebody else, but with the boyfriend, for sure with boyfriend, and she was more than likely at cakes and cones, and then for sure walked home by herself or left him left at, by herself. At, yeah, at the restaurant. Okay yes okay <laughs> um so sorry i just i'm i need to I keep know. it clear yes. in my own head so I'm, yeah I, it might seem like dumb questions or like redundant but no you're yeah. good um so that's the story of the crime now let's get into the theories and like the misinformation about the case um so the first theory i want to talk about um is the runaway theory so okay. the reason that barb's siblings believe this right off the bat was because um barb and her mom lois did not get along at okay. all um they had you know their typical fights that most moms and teenage daughters have um but it became so bad that barbara had actually asked diane who was her best friend's family if she could move it in with them and diane's mom said it was okay as long Holy as cow. lewis was lois sorry was okay <laughs> with it as well um of course lois was not okay with this so she never did end up moving out um 
Diane and Barb did, however, have a plan to move out on of their homes and get an apartment uh, when they both turned 16. Apparently, that was, like, kind of common, was, like, 16 kids moved out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, this they're not the only ones in the story who moved out by the age of 16, or wanted to. Okay. So, it just seemed like it was common. So, is maybe, like, the age of not consent but like maybe there's like a thing because here, i mean it was 1980 so yeah but it's like different i wonder if yeah i don't know I'm i just gonna, wonder I if there was something legally it. where they could because i'm I don't, sure they could otherwise yeah there was there had to be something because yeah. people were doing it yeah, yeah um so because of this both barb and diane had gotten jobs bussing tables at local restaurants so they could make money to get this apartment Almost every cent from this paycheck went into Barb's savings account, and at the time of her disappearance, she had reportedly around 3000 to 4000 saved up. Wow. Which in today's money would have been close to $10,000. Good for her. Which is a ton of money for a 15-year-old. Yeah, no kidding. Um, after Barb's disappearance, this money sat in her bank untouched, waiting for her to return. Now, don't you think if Barb was planning to run away and start a new life, she maybe would have wanted that three to four thousand dollars yeah in her bank account to you help would, her get started i mean you would think i mean it's not like you're running away to so no one can find you yeah um so that's like a big red flag i think well and even if you were running away to not be found you, you still would still take the cash out you would yeah. think because like yeah it doesn't sound like she was going somewhere you know obviously she didn't go to like her uncle's house right you know because otherwise her uncle would have been like yeah she's here yeah um, also, her, I don't talk about her dad, but her dad passed away, so okay. he's just not in the story at all. Okay. Um, a few other facts that point to Barb not running away was that her glasses, clothes, and cigarettes were all left behind at her mother's home. Almost everyone that um, has been talked to has stated that Barb would not have left the carton of cigarettes behind. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's not the glasses, yeah, but it's the, the cigarettes. Clothes, like, yeah. just the cigarettes. Um, That's hilarious. She wouldn't go anything where without those. Um, also, it's just unlikely that even after 40 years, Barb would not have at least reached out to her family or her friends to let her know that she, them know that she's alive and well. Yeah, she might not reach out to her mom, but she's got two siblings. Yeah, and her mom did pass away. Oh, that's too bad. A while ago, I want to say at this point. That's always so sad when the parent dies and still yeah. doesn't know where their kid is. Yeah. So it just, 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 just doesn't seem likely to me. Um, yeah, I agree. Now, the next thing I want to talk about, it's not really, like, a theory, but I do want to talk about mom, Barb's mom, Lois, a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't think she, like, had anything to do with her disappearance, but she did have some, like, weird things in her story. Um, so, first thing I want to talk about is that it was once reported that the unidentified friend that joined Barb and her boyfriend for dinner that day was Lois, um, yeah. Barb's mom. When the siblings were asked if their mom had ever talked about seeing Barb that night, they stated that Lois had never, ever said anything about this to them. Okay. Which I think is a little weird, like, because don't you think you would have, like, this is something you probably would have talked about? Like, yeah. Don't like you think the last time I saw her my was. Mom, like, I just saw her at, like, dinner last night. We had, like, we sat down and had dinner. Or, yeah. Or one um, thing reported that she saw, like, Barb and this boy um having dinner and she just like stopped by and was like hey do you need a ride home and barb was like no but even that you think she would mention seeing her at dinner yeah and she doesn't mention it to the police and she doesn't mention it to any siblings um she went like i said she went to diane's house the next morning 
um and diane was like no she didn't say anything about seeing her to me either um so so that just doesn't seem super likely it's just weird yeah like why it would be kind of weird reported that she was because she was the one apparently who said it in like one interview once okay so it came from her own mouth that's weird yeah that's really weird so yeah just just weird um another thing i want to talk about don't be suspicious <laughs> is the wilson pd talked about the first initial p- report that lois 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 sorry made to the police stated that barb had been with her boyfriend at dinner and then around 10 p.m lois told the police that her daughter went to a party so in this story she came home and then left again no in this story she went to dinner instead of walking home she walked to a party oh okay got it yeah um and that's the only time we hear that story too is from her mom uh we'll get into that a little later um but again this is in this podcast i listened to they talked to a detective that is currently working on this case and she read the report and this is the first and only time we've have a mention of a party barb had gone to that night that night okay so that's the only time no time after that was she like yep she went to a party after she okay. had dinner okay and so, their fights never got like physical right mm-hmm. it was just nope. verbal it was just like your typical teenage, teenage mom mom fights. okay yeah i would say um they said that like barb was very like grown up and independent okay so that kind of like she wanted to do her own thing and her mom was like oh you still gotta like kind you're, of abide you're 15. by my own my <laughs> rules like you live under my house yeah blah, blah blah so it was kind of those kind of fights okay again when um lois went to see diane uh, barb's best friend on sunday to see if barb was there she never once mentioned a party to her either okay but like why keep the party fact to yourself why not ask diane did you hear about the party last night were you at, were the, you party? at the party last yeah. night like yeah. did barb mention a party to you about a party last night like, yeah don't you think Barb's best friend would have known about this party? <laughs> you would you would assume so. Yeah. Like, if you went missing, the three people that I would call immediately would know about a party. Yeah. Like, well, actually, there's four people I'd call right away. Yeah. And so, I'd be like, did you go to this party with Emily? Did you know who was at this party? Have you heard of this party? And more than likely, if there was a party, one of know. those four would know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, Lois also tells police that she believes a friend knows her whereabouts, but will not tell her where Barb is. So she's still going based off of the Barb ran away theory. Apparently. Okay. Um, so again, I don't think Lois had anything to do with Barb's disappearance, but I just want to want to mention those like weird kind of tidbits. Yeah. Those are weird. Really odd things. Um, I would agree. They're very weird. Okay, so my next theory I want to talk about is um, Barb's older brother, Frank Cotton. Um, Police currently label Frank as a person of interest. He is one of three official persons of interest that police have named. Yikes. So Barb had, I believe it was six siblings total. Jeez. It was either six siblings that were older and then Kent and Kathy and her were younger. Okay. Or it was six total, three were older and then kent and kathy and her were younger okay so either way these like other siblings were way older they're not really like so they weren't like living in the house or anything um no for the most part no okay frank was living next door apparently okay um 
The rest of her siblings were older. Frank was what some people would call an odd duck. He was known to be violent towards his siblings, and it was extremely close with his mom. That's not great. He also had a thing for, like, raw meat. So he would ask for his steak, like, raw. And even once had, there's a story that he had killed a deer, chopped out the heart, and ate it right in front of his younger sister, Kathy. I wish people could see my face right now because I'm so grossed out. So, like, apparently he just, like yeah ate raw meat and I, that's like a thing people do it but yeah but it's a little weird it's a little much there frank yeah so just like weird guy um some people believe that because barbara and her mom were fighting so much frank would do anything for his mom so he may have harmed barb because of this um kathy also stated that if frank did hurt barb their mom would have covered for him um, that would explain the several different stories coming out of mom possibly um, however, Barb's brother, Kent, so the Barb, Kathy, Kent, yeah, the closer ones, yes. doesn't believe that Frank could have hurt Barb and that this theory is not possible. He's, like, very adamant, like, no. Okay. Nope, nope, nope. Um, now, please don't state exactly why Frank is a person of interest, just that he is. Okay. Um, and now Frank did die of cancer, so he's no longer, like, alive to defend himself, so they can't question him or anything like that. That always sucks, too. Okay, we're going to move on to our next person of interest. Okay. This is kind of where it starts getting a little crazy. Wait, this hasn't gotten crazy yet? <laughs> so I do want to say I don't think Frank Cotton. You think he's innocent? I think he didn't. I don't think he did it. Okay. Um, our second official person of interest is a man named Frank Della Pena. So we have two Franks. This is Frank Della Pena. Frank lived in Williston in April of 1981 when Barb went missing. He left town just three short weeks after Barb went missing. That's Um, always suspicious. Yeah. So he went out to Wyoming. Here he tried to get a few females to come in his RV and see a puppy. Of course, there isn't a puppy, but... That would work on me. (laughs) He's literally driving all over the state of Wyoming, trying to get young females to come into his RV. And it's not an RV, I should say. It's a camper trailer. So he has like a van and then he's pulling a camper trailer. Okay. Um, but he's trying to get young girls and to see this puppy. Yeah, it would work. It'd be like, he'd be like, hey, Danielle, come here. Come see this puppy. And I'd be like, oh, what? You have a no, puppy? you are not. Oh, my God. Um, Frank De La Pena finally reaches Rawlings, Wyoming in May of 1981. Here he encounters a 13-year-old girl and tells her that he has a puppy and asks if she wants to see it. The girl refuses but makes note of what he looks like and what he's wearing, um, like a John Lennon pin. Just 10 minutes later, he approaches another 13-year-old girl about his puppy. This girl again refuses, but makes note of the John Lennon pin. Okay. He then drives away and parks in his white van and trailer in a parking lot across the street from the Byright drugstore. Trigger warning, children. Oh, no. (laughs) Around the same time, 12-year-old Penny Ray Swanson and 9-year-old Renee Davidson had just left their homes to walk to the Byright drugstore. The two girls would never return home, and their bodies were found the next morning. Turns out that Frank de la Pena had kidnapped, possibly sexually assaulted, and murdered the two young girls. What a dick. Yeah. Terrible person. Frank was apprehended pretty quickly because a witness had seen Frank talking to one of the 13-year-old girls previously who refused to get in the car and noted the North Dakota license plate. After the murders, Frank drove down to Colorado looking for work. He so found, he's not like super good at hiding no. right 
he found a foreman that worked for the same company that he used to work for in Williston. Okay. Um, the foreman said that Frank insisted he call the foreman from Williston to get a recommendation for him, so he did. The foreman um, he called told him he needed to hang up, get Frank out of his office because he may be in danger, but not out of the city, and then call him back. So the foreman in Colorado told Frank, you know what, like, go get a bite to eat. I have to get some, like, paperwork and permits together and then, like, come back and we'll get everything settled. Wow. Um, Smart. I'm really (laughs) impressed with both of these foremen right now. Yeah. Um, So when he, Frank did, he went and got food. Um, So when he called the North Dakota foreman back, he was told that Frank was wanted for the murders in Rollins. Okay. After this, the foreman called the police, and they set up a trap, and Frank was arrested. Um, Frank actually died by suicide in his jail cell shortly after he was arrested. Police think there could be a possible connection to Barb because of him living in Willison at the time, and her disappear- of her disappearance, and then him fleeing the area shortly after. Well, and clearly, he likes young girls. Yeah. And, and she was, what, 15? She was 15, and it was like previously stated that she was like she loved dogs and like very into puppies and stuff um so it could have been a possibility that if he used the same trick on her yeah maybe and if it worked once maybe he'd keep trying yeah so um and it also is weird that he like takes off right away too and he um dies by suicide too like he takes his own life and in the suicide note there is one they didn't read it on this podcast because they didn't want to give him like the satisfaction of reading it because i think that was his like goal was to get the media and people to talk about it (laughs) but they basically just like summarized it and he was like i'm doing this because i'm innocent yeah okay yeah so That, that makes a lot of sense weird okay now Moving on. The third person of interest and the person I want to talk about the most is the boyfriend. In quotes now. We're putting it in quotes. What? It seems to be that Barb may not actually have had a boyfriend after all. Two days before Barb went missing, she spent most of the day with her best friend Diane at at a cafe in town, smoking cigarettes, chatting, drinking coffee, and just hanging out. Adorable. Love that. Now, what do you think a major topic of conversation would be for 15-year-old girls? Definitely boys. Boys. Yeah. Definitely boys. Diana claims that Barb never told her anything about a boyfriend, which I find, like, so weird. Well, yeah, because, like, the one person you're going to tell is your your best best friend. friend. Like, I can totally understand not telling your mom that you have a boyfriend, but I don't understand not telling your best friend. I'm sure you can. Yeah. It just does this does that doesn't make any sense well, to me. And you're you're totally right. And like even like even if you have a crush on somebody, you're yeah. gonna tell your best friends you're not gonna especially if you don't really get along with your mom. Yeah, you're not gonna keep that a secret. No. Not from your not from the girls. Yeah. Um she said that the day before Barb went missing, Diane and her like had talked on the phone too, and again she never mentioned a boy or a boyfriend. Okay. So she's like, Okay, even in the slight chance that like between when I saw her in person and when she disappeared, she like met somebody and like i had a boyfriend i talked to her the day before weird like she could have mentioned something then yeah you yeah and you'd think she would yeah now um i'm sure you can guess the only person to call this person a boyfriend is barb's mom i was gonna say the mom yeah um we do know that barb did in fact have dinner with a young man that night and his name is stacy damar werder 
Stacy is from California, and we believe he was in North Dakota, the North Dakota area, to work in the oil fields. Okay. However, Barb's mom, Lois, stated that he worked as a dishwasher at the Cake and Cone, which, if you remember, is the same restaurant that, that they were having dinner from. at yeah. that night. Um, just two days after Barb disappeared, Lois called police again and stated that her daughter was with Stacy at a motel or yeah, motel hotel in Montana. But when local police went to the hotel and checked, uh, neither she nor Stacy were there. Now, it turns out Stacy, not a good guy. Oh, no. He had been extremely violent to his sisters. At one point, tried to kill one of them by throwing scissors at her back as she ran away from him. Yikes. He also tried to strangle their father with an electrical cord. Oh, my God. And he had set their family home on fire. Oof. Um, oh my god been discharged from the navy and it was believed that stacy may have been schizophrenic but this has never been confirmed either okay never diagnosed um in the podcast this guy interviews his two sisters and they're both like yeah he's absolutely capable of something like this oh my god that's so scary yeah um we also know that the only person to even place stacy in williston on april of 1981 is, is the mom is the mom no other records put him there um stacy's again sisters 100 percent believe he's capable of murder they believe he's capable not that necessarily that he did it right correct okay because so they, they don't have really like any proof them that together okay. really okay. other than the fact that they had dinner together and that supposedly. mom is saying that he was with her so much and yeah blah blah, blah. so like this is where it gets so sketchy because it's like we don't even know for sure if he was there do you think her mom was just so desperate to find her that she was just saying shit to try and get police to look into it maybe i don't know because it's just Cause it, her it the police s- never look into it though they like oh, that's that's really frustrating like, i mean now they are but yeah i mean i can talk about it at the end about the podcast or this episode but yeah yeah we'll get into it so um it's Sorry. We do know for sure that by Monday, less than two days after Barb's disappearance, Stacy was in Montana, for sure. Okay. Three months after Barb's disappearance in July, Stacy was arrested for disorderly conduct. A few days later, he had a phone conversation with one of his sisters, and the last thing he said was, quote, tell mom I love her and I'm sorry for what I did, end quote. Stacy Werner ended up dying by suicide in his jail cell not too long after he was arrested i cannot express (laughs) how much i wish people could see our faces (laughs) because i my jaw literally dropped open and i looked at emily like what the (laughs) this is this case just makes no sense to me it's all over the place um now remember how i stated that barb's mom Lois had called police two days after her disappearance, stating she was in a hotel with Stacy in Montana. Yes. Weird thing is that we do know that Frank De La Pena did not end up working in the same town that Stacy and Barb supposedly were. So this was our second suspect. Yeah, Frank. Okay. The one who also died by suicide in his jail cell. What the weird coincidence? Probably, but I did think it was worth mentioning. You know, in a lot of cop shows, like the true crime shows, they say. We don't believe in coincidences. And so, like, so one that of the theories could be that these two work together, Frank and Stacy. Is there Frank, any proof that the two know each other? No. It's just, like, so weird that the two main suspects both 
die by suicide in their jail cells. Now, Stacy didn't leave a note. I feel so bad for the cop that's looking into this right now because, it's like, a cluster. Well, and all three of your main suspects are dead. Yeah. So, like, you can't even be like, where were you? What were you doing? Why were you in this place? Blah, 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 blah. You have to, like, go to other people and try and piece things together second source. And yeah. that's so much harder. And, um, a lot, well, they say they're not missing any, like, boxes of evidence because this is a cold case now yeah but at the same time they're like the james wilner who's the um host of this other podcast is like how do you not talk to stacy the last person to see her alive? yeah how do you not have any record of that yeah and this uh he kind of goes in on the detectives that are on it now because they're like well it's a different time back then they didn't they won't probably take notes for everyone they talk to and it's like he's the last person to see him alive like i highly doubt that is such bull crap yeah so oh my god little you know i would feel less irritated with these cops that are on it now if they had just been like you know what you're right he made a mistake yeah we made a mistake yeah like Um, own your mistakes don't try and come up with some bs like oh well it was a different time i don't care yeah it's not that hard to be like oh you know what the last person that saw someone so alive is this person we should probably talk to them right like that's not groundbreaking right um so next i'm going to talk about some like super far-fetched theories that i just kind of i love these funny. i love these um, i'm ready so the first one i want to talk about is um Back in the 1970s, apparently, North Korea was actually kidnapping people from foreign countries to teach their spies how to act in their societies, um, like how to speak their languages, how to, like, so, like, when these North Korean spies came to, like, America or Italy or Japan, they, like, knew the culture and they knew how to, like, act. <laughs> that's that's batshit crazy. They also love it. kidnapped them to star in their films. So oh. if they had like a Western like film per- that they needed a star for, they oh would kidnap God. people. And this is actually like this happened. I mean, I know they, there's like a really big story about two actors that like they kidnapped and wouldn't let go. And like, so I, I, I've heard that story before. Yeah. But that just seems... But again, like really far fetched. No, this like this is that's there's no way this is. They they say that like their um people they would kidnap are typically people who like don't have families and they yeah. speak multiple languages and they like blah 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 and that just like doesn't fit Barb at all. No, so. and like you would think that you would want to go somewhere where it's like there's a ton of people and maybe you know, like someone, a big city and like so isn't it gonna be, make such a big story out yeah, of it, yeah yeah this is such a small town that you're, you're gonna notice pretty quick that she's not around yeah um so the next one i want to talk about this one isn't as far-fetched okay this one like kind of makes you think a little but it's still probably like nothing um so i want to talk about like the occult obviously mm. back in the 1980s there was the satanic panic going on and there was some talk that there were some juveniles in the williston area that were worshiping the devil um, there was also a newspaper article from just three weeks after Barb's disappearance about purebred dogs in the area going missing. No. Yeah. Leave the dogs alone. I know. So they thought this could possibly link to the occult activity. So somehow maybe Barb's disappearance was linked to that. Um, but again, like kind of far-fetched. Well, and, and it would be hard to believe that a group of teenagers could keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Like, you would think that you would have found something by now. Right. If that were true. Um, so, 
this kind of this next theory kind of links to that theory okay. a little bit and this one's the crazy one <laughs> okay wait more crazy than being kidnapped by like, north koreans no okay but like more crazy in the fact that like oh my god like the connections are okay okay um okay so again on the podcast that i listen to um they talked to someone named daryl lund and he stated that he believed that he and a friend had seen barb the night she disappeared they claimed that she came up to them and asked them for a cigarette neither of them had one but a man who looked like frank de la pena came up and gave her one so that's just kind of weird um now here's the crazy thing the friend that daryl lund was with we're gonna try to connect some dots here okay okay his name was randy falcon randy another amazing last name randy falcon's brother was named phil falcon and he was connected to john carr in minot north dakota okay apparently these two were connected by occult activity john carr like ran the occult in minot okay apparently now this guy john carr was connected to freaking david berkowitz who was the son of sam killer what john carr the there's the documentary on netflix the son of sam documentary where this investigative journalist um maury terry um links he doesn't think david berkowitz worked alone and actually the police come out and say they don't think so either and they think john carr is one was of the, the person oh. who he worked with. And oh some of God. the sketches from some of the survivors of David Berkowitz don't match David, but they look like John Carr. That is... I have goosebumps. Now, Ooh. John Carr commits or dies by suicide in North Dakota right after David Berkowitz gets arrested. Oh, my God. That is... No. That is like the let's, tangled web we wait, weave. Wait, let's keep going. No way. Now, remember... Um, that article that was written three weeks after Barb's disappearance about the dogs being kidnapped in Williston, yes. possibly for occult activity. Phil Falcon is actually named in that article as a suspect, or uh, like what? So, um, Phil, where this occult group used to meet was at a coffee shop called the Falcon's Nest, run and owned by Phil Falcon. Oh my God! <laughs> what? So like. Did Barb just like run into Daryl Lund and just like wrong um, place, wrong time? time. Daryl Lund and uh, Randy Falcon, the brother of <laughs> Phil Falcon, who is connected to John Carr, who is connected to the son of, the Sam. Son of Sam Killer. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I think you're scaring serious with all this uh, purebred talk, though. My like brain is like swirling right now. Now I do want to make a little personal plug here. Not really personal plug, but uh, okay. Um, Commissioner Thomas Prue. Oh, oh that boy. is how he asked me to address him on this podcast. Oh my God! Sent <laughs> us a that that for everybody who doesn't know is our, our uncle. uncle who was the probation officer up in Carlton County. Yes, he is now the commissioner. He's like, I gotta get the votes, you know. Of course, so he wants me to let anything know. for you, Uncle Tom. <laughs> anything for you. He sent us a me- message. Um, Ugh. Of course, he sent it to you. No, he sent it to the Midwest Madness Instagram. (gasps) Yeah. And I missed it. Sorry, Uncle Tom. Yeah. So I just thought this was kind of interesting and it kind of ties into the occult thing. Okay. So I'm just going to like read it off really quick. So here's some interesting information. (laughs) When your favorite uncle worked in Virginia (laughs) in the 90s, which is Virginia, Minnesota. Yes. There was quite a bit of satanic cult activity on the range. So I specifically 
specially trained on satanic cults. That is so cool. We have to finding have him on. a satanic ritual site, all like that fun stuff. I didn't really tell many people about it and had not thought about it for years. Two years ago, the Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Cloquet contacted me because they were concerned. Is that, is that the Catholic Church? Up yeah. There? Okay. That some juveniles, juveniles, sorry, juveniles, <laughs> in the parish were engaging in satanic cult activity. It turned out to be nothing. But how in the world did the church know I was trained in satanic cults? And it, it said, um, he sent this to us because of, um, if you remember in the Randy Leach experience, yeah. there was like a slight yeah. mention of the occult. So I just wanted to throw that little tidbit in That's there. That's super cool. <laughs> that he is we actually trained. have to interview him. We yeah. have to. It would be such a cool episode. Yeah. Because he's just done so much and that. Like, obviously, neither of us even knew he did that. And, like, we've known him our whole lives. Right. <laughs> Obviously, because he's our uncle. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, I thought I'd just throw that little, like, that I thought that would be a cool place to, like, set that. But. That is really cool. Thanks for sharing, Tom. Yeah. Um, I'm so, sorry. Commissioner Tom Prue. Commissioner Thomas Prue. Oh, of Thomas. Of Carleton County. Thomas, sorry. Okay. Um, okay. So, the second to last thing I want to talk about. We're almost done, I promise. Okay. We're getting through this. Okay. Uh, was that party that Barb's mom, uh, Lois, had mentioned to yes. the police in the first initial call. That none of her friends knew about. Um, so this may have been actually true. Interesting. So again, in that podcast that I've mentioned a million times now, he interviews a woman, woman whose sister lived in a townhome in Williston at the age of 16. And she hosted parties um, at this townhome, and it was her birthday. Okay. Or it was about to be her birthday. She was about to turn 17. And she could swear that night that Barb went... The night that Barb went missing, she was, in fact, at a party at the town home, And she was with some guy. Okay. So, could this have been Stacy? <laughs> Don't so, know. So, was she at the party before she went to dinner or after? It would have been after. Okay, that's what I thought. Now, my only thing with this is... Um, don't you think as soon as they found out Barb went missing knowing that she had been at their party that night would have been like all they could have talked about from the day she went missing to 40 years, years later yeah i mean like if not I was, necessarily with the police but, but definitely with, with one another, other. Like yeah if i was if i hosted a party and like someone came and then they went missing that same night i would be like oh my god parties like i would tell everybody like yeah I, this would not be something where i'd be like well like, uh, i think it was the same night yeah like, i feel like you would remember that yeah so that's the only like reason i are lo- i'm a little, a little iffy skeptical. on that one mm-hmm. because i just feel like you wouldn't forget something like that yeah that's true and then the last thing i want to talk about is um now, again, if you remember at the beginning of the story, Barb was at dinner with her boyfriend and an unidentified friend. Yes. Well, this friend has never been identified. We're not even sure there was a second person at this dinner. Yeah. And if there was, why haven't they come forward? And it could have, could it have been her mom? I don't know. <laughs> if it wasn't really her boyfriend, though, that seems really, really weird. What? For your mom to join you at dinner with like on what is kind of like a first probably date. a first date yeah yeah that would be really weird yeah so, so i have a hard time believing that so we don't know if there was i don't know where this unidentified friend came from um i don't it's in like if you google barbara cotton and it's like the night of her disappearance they mm-hmm. all talk about an unidentified friend and her boyfriend interesting but 
there's never this like and they don't mention like male or female mm-mm. they just say unidentified friend yep interesting yep so yeah um this whole case has my mind just like so boggled there's so many things we don't know and there's so many things that like don't add up yeah i feel like by the time i finished researching this case i actually had more questions yeah no than kidding when i start um it has been 40 years since barbara went missing and we don't have many answers to anything so hopefully we can get some answers soon but that is the disappearance of 15 year old barbara cotton i'm just gonna say i'm i'm not really holding my breath that they're gonna figure this one out anytime soon unless they get like a huge if they find a body body yeah. or like remains then yeah i would say their chances go way up but where it stands right now i not confident or yeah. hopeful unfortunately and this like i said like i kind of mentioned before the willison pd is currently still working on this as a cold case yeah but um i wouldn't even call this a cold case i'd call this a frozen case yeah it's there the um james wilner in the podcast he they're like everyone's really frustrated with them for example so they had the frank de la pena clue i guess you could say came directly from his conversation with the detective on the case so she's the one who told him about it and so he was like oh cool i wonder if i can get like a copy of his arrest records from the town in colorado where he was arrested yeah so he actually had a listener go out there and she took pictures of everything she took pictures of the actual suicide note like everything that's really cool and sent it to him and a week later after the podcast had aired about this yeah um she like called the detective or the sheriff at this small town the colorado did. yeah okay just to thank him for like letting her come out and take the photos yeah and he was like yeah like actually like a day ago i just sent this off to like the williston detective and they're like so the podcast got a hold, hold of, of it the first stuff. what the hell and they didn't even like go get it until after this podcast had aired How and they know not- that like like they listen to the podcast so they know that like uh it's just like you've had this clue literally since like day like this was from almost day one early right when this all happened like the rollins wyoming police department had called the wilson pd and was like hey just you know he was in your area blah 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 i would be so mad at the cops too i'd be like seriously like this poor family yeah so oh my god do you do you have any like if you had to pick one what Um, would you say i i think it was i don't hmm, this is hard because like i like frank d Mm -hmm. i'm not even gonna try the last name de la pena yeah that one i i like him for it but i also like um stacy stacy's the quote-unquote boyfriend yeah i i like those two i think the connection all the way back to some son of sam is really interesting I think but that's it's just a lot more of, like it's just a lot of steps. I just think that's you more know? like a Quince kind of again. We don't use same. There's nothing, but I think yeah. that's just like a really weird coincidence. Yeah, I think it's 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 too many steps for me. And we also don't even know like Daryl Lund thinks that him and Randy Falcon ran into her the night she disappeared. Yeah. but again, they don't yeah, know for sure. Don't so it could have sure. even been bad on a different night. Like we so, don't know. Yeah, I think probably Frank D and Stacy. Do you think they could have worked together? Yeah, that's kind of my gut feeling. Um, could he have been the unidentified friend? 
Yeah, and that's why that's what I'm thinking. And they say is that because they like we don't have a gender on that unidentified friend. So like, to me, it would make more sense that she'd be like, okay, well, I'm with two people. I just met this guy. Like maybe it's a lot sketchy for me to be out with this guy because his friend is here too. So it's not a date. It's just the three of us hanging out. Yeah, you know, like maybe she just felt safer in numbers, and that was just really not the case. That's kind of my gut feeling. And also, like, remember Daryl Lund said a guy came up that looked like Frank Delapena and gave her a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I didn't mention this, but apparently that's when they all went into the cake and cone. Okay. So, yeah. again, that just adds Frank into that, too. Yeah. Um, And Frank, what about you? What is, what's your I'm gut feeling? say, like, if not Stacy alone, Stacy and Frank. Okay. So, we're both kind of on the same page. Yeah. But, and the fact that they both um, died by suicide. Yeah, that's in really. In the same way. In the jail cells. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. I, I almost wonder, though, like, if they had, why Frank wouldn't be like, it was me and Stacy, you know, or it was Stacy, not me, and that's why I'm doing this in his Frank note. Frank died first. Yeah, I know, but in his, he's the only one that left a note, right? Yeah, but he didn't say anything about Barb in the note. Yeah, so, like, why wouldn't you? Because he's claiming, I, guess, I mean, I guess I could see what you're saying, but he's not even, he's not even claiming he killed the two girls and there's like, oh, for what, like, it's oh, he was saying he was innocent, innocent of everything. Innocent of everything, so. Oh, please, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess um, we'll have to maybe keep an eye on this one. Yeah. Highly, yeah. highly, highly recommend that podcast. Yeah, I it sounds to. really good. It's really good. He does a really good job. Um so good for him on not like losing his shit at the cops because i don't know if i could there is like almost a whole episode where he just goes off oh good for him yeah because i like i know we say minnesota nice all the time but like i would be in a rage yeah and um so he has i believe six seasons his sixth season is coming out now okay um and each season focuses on a different case. Okay. I love so when podcasts I'm, do I'm that. Uh, probably, uh, maybe I'll do another one of these cases because, yeah, I mean, that was a ride. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And it sounds like he does a really nice job. Yeah, so. it's really good. So that sounds cool. Um, let us know what you guys think. Uh, my sources, kxnet.com, which is a local newspaper, charlieproject.org, um kfyrtv.com which is another news um source in yeah. the area duluth news tribune and then the dakota spotlight podcast james walner season five a better search for barbara jean cotton that was awesome so there you guys go i hope you enjoyed um um our socials are mw madness podcast on instagram and that's our gmail address as well and then we've got the midwest madness facebook group um like review rate share um, with your share friends. we're on spotify and apple yeah. podcasts and we hope oh, you guys- and the minnesota listen um the minnesota podcast app oh, okay. so if you're in minnesota and you want more minnesota based podcasts check there you'll see us and you'll see other people cool all right guys well um i hope i didn't ruin your week too much because let me tell you you'll be thinking about this one for days (laughs) yeah thank you so much you're welcome have a great week and we'll talk to you next tuesday bye